It is time to bring it back to vulnerability, back to connection. Here on the How's Your Heart podcast, we chat weekly about the practical ways to deepen the relationship with ourselves and how to cultivate that with the people around us too. My name is Jess. I am the host here on the How's Your Heart podcast. And alongside some amazing guests together, we are here to create psychologically safe spaces and to put into practice asking more than just how are you. Instead, we're asking, how's your heart? Hey, George. How's it going? How's your heart? Hello. I am so good. Thank you. I love your question. How's your heart? I was just saying to Jess, I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think that you were going to ask me that right (laughs) at the start. It makes complete sense. My heart is really good, especially today. I feel like I've had a really nice morning. Um, We have a big life change happening in our little family this week we're moving apartments and I've never moved before like I have moved but never with like all my stuff and so we're going to be moving into a new apartment and today I went and I drove there and I walked from there to my favorite little coffee shop and then I went and saw the beach and it was just such a nice morning and coming home to then jumping into a day of work and I was going to see you and I'm like just so happy. So my heart is very happy today. It's such an exciting point in your life. I'm so happy. It just feels like you're just leaping ahead into what I feel like will be a new environment for happiness and growth and love and Oh, I'm just so excited for you. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's going to be so, so nice. Oh, my goodness. So today I've invited you on the podcast because, A, we have a really good friendship and I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful that I have gotten to know you and become part of your circles, but also, B, because we both have experience with, I, I guess, Uh, up and down relationship with exercise and movement and mental health Mm -hmm. and part of going inward is also looking at not only the really good parts about us and the good parts about our lives and the things that we enjoy but also the parts that might need a little bit of work on and Mm -hmm. I feel like we have come both of us have come a fair you know big leap um, in terms of that relationship and Um, I just thought let's get vulnerable and talk about it because Mm -hmm. I know I would have really loved this episode a few years ago and I would have loved it that I'm sure someone out there will also find it useful and will also just feel really comforted in this conversation because it can feel really lonely as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think our stories are quite similar and we've worked in similar environments, so Let's do it. Let's get into it. (laughs) Well, I think the first question to let my listeners know a little bit more about you is I guess your journey with exercise and movement up until this point and how that relationship has transformed across the years. Yeah. Yeah. So like you say, it is, it's been very up and down, um, as like anything is, but my journey started when I was in, grade 11, I believe, at school, um, I was dealing with not, I mean, I was kind of just kind of seeing what was going on in social media at the time. Um, and a big craze that was kind of starting was F45 and a lot of like the young influencers that I was, was following were at F45 and we're training there. And so I kind of was like, oh, that looks interesting. Um, maybe I could do that. And I kind of had my eye on it for a little while, but I was very, I wasn't confident in, I had never been a sporty kid. I was not confident in my abilities um, with fitness, strength in any capacity. So I started doing like a little home program and it was honestly the best. Like I would still do those workouts today. They were very functional, but they were never kind of, um, too hard. They were like between 10 and 30 minutes. So I always felt that I could complete them and they did wonders for my confidence in my abilities. Um, and then when F45 opened up in my town, 
I was like, okay, cool. I feel fit enough, which is so silly, but to start going to the gym, like that just in itself is so silly that I thought I needed to do that. But just in terms of confidence wise, I was like, I'm going to start going there. So I did that and I started to see all of the amazing benefits of getting that endorphin rush, um, having a place to show up to each day, having a community around you, all of the amazing things about group training, which we know. Um, And so I kept training there multiple times a week. And then I got to grade 12 and I started having some serious mental health issues. And what that looked like was that I was such a high achieving kid. Um, I put way too much pressure on my academics and, and how I was performing in school. And I really started to fall to exercise because it was the only break that I would get from my brain that day. And I would just go into that 45-minute session knowing that I wouldn't hear all of the mean voices telling me I'm not doing enough, um, I'm not good enough, that I need to be doing more, like all of those things. They would just be completely muted in 45 minutes. And most people know what F45 is. It's so high intensity. The music's so loud. There's so much going on around you that you literally just can't not block it out. And so I really started falling to that. (laughs) Yes, we know. Um, So I really started falling into that and it became my mental health was starting to deteriorate really badly in grade 12 and I would just lean on exercise more and more and more. And that was okay. That was all fine. Um, But eventually I did burn out. And my mental health took over to the point where I wasn't able to get out of bed. Um, I was really, really depressed. It turned from being anxious all of the time to not being able to feel a single thing. And I was just kind of going through the motions. So I ended up just kind of making my way through the rest of the year. And I didn't really think too much of it being like, being so young at the time, I was obviously asked by people like, should you go see a therapist and all of that kind of thing? And I was like, no, like it's not bad enough, quote unquote, it's not bad enough. Um, I, I don't, I just don't need it. It's fine. I can deal with it. And so when I left school, I, I think I always felt this need that I needed to prove myself, especially in the area of exercise, just because I was never a fit kid. I was never the skinniest kid, um, all of that. So I was constantly trying to lose weight or like maintain this sort of idea that I had it in control and that I was taking action in that area. And so I ended up doing my um, personal training certificates and I studied my way through that. I started my degree in dietetics which later I transitioned into nutrition instead. Um, And once I had got my certificates, I went into training, coaching as a group trainer at F45. And that's where kind of my next like hump was. I, I started to become really obsessive over my body and, and how my body was performing. And it didn't, become, it wasn't like I was exercising for the good parts anymore, as much as I would tell myself I was. Um, It was really to maintain a certain image. And as we all know, and I know, Jess, you've talked about this on your own podcast, you can't sustain that level of activity, of of anything, really, when you're going like 100% all in, all or nothing. And I was just I was I was doing so many steps every day. I was training in that really, really high impact kind of way. And then I was trying to eat the smallest amount that I possibly could um, and try to maintain that and just over and over again, which eventually led to a lot of binge eating, which I was never properly diagnosed with binge eating disorder. And I wouldn't say that I had that. Um But I definitely had those sort of tendencies where I wouldn't, I would try and eat the smallest amount possible. 
And then I would go through this massive binge and it would just lead to me feeling like absolute crap. And then I would have to go into the gym and and punish myself basically the following week. And so that cycle stayed around for a really, really long time. I ended up again, burning out. Um, my mental health was deteriorating because I wasn't actually looking after my body. Um, and then I had to leave my job because I was so exhausted. I couldn't show up to coach at 4am in the morning anymore. Um, I was so, so, so unhappy. So I ended up leaving. I pretty much gave up all high intensity training just to allow my body to get back on track. I had a lot of health issues that came up because of how I was treating my body. And I had to let that all go. I went back to just doing walking and some yoga sessions and things like that um, until I was able to heal myself from the inside out to be able to start slowly integrating it in a much more healthy way. So yeah, that is my kind of journey with it all. I feel like I relate to that so heavily um, in so many ways, and I'm sure everyone else can too, that I love how you touched on being a high achiever and then bringing that, I guess, vibe and that idea into exercise as well, that kind of perfectionistic oh, you have to train in a particular way, you have to eat in a particular way, you have to feel and move about the world in a particular way. And um, at least for me, and I'm pretty sure you would agree, that pressure just really gets to you, doesn't it? A hundred percent. It it really, really does. It's like you're constantly trying to live up to this expectation that like pretty much doesn't exist because you put it there. But you can never, you can never hit it as perfectly as you would want to. And even when you do, like quote unquote, hit it, the marker mm. just consistently moves. It just constantly changes. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, like I even, it, I've even found that because I was an F forty five trainer as well. Like in those kind of that era of my life, I really was the marker was like be able to get through an F45 session, lift the heaviest of weights, but like also have this insane cardiovascular fitness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Once I left that, the marker switched from that style of fitness to, okay, be the strongest you can be, like lift the most amount of weight that you Mm -hmm. can and bring on that bodybuilder type fitness. And like the marker is always shifting and I found for me that was such a good distraction from my mental health illnesses because I was like, I'm just a go-getter. I'm going yeah. after my goals and, like, everyone should be proud of me. And that was kind of, I guess, my excuse for putting myself through hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's it's so celebrated and we think that that's what we need to do to stay, like, to s- I don't know, just to stay enough in a way, but like, it's never, it's never enough if like, you're not doing the mental work behind it. If you're just kind of going through these actions and going through the motions and feeding into that kind of, I need to do this in order to be something, then it, it never changes. It's never, it's never enough. Yeah, we talked about this earlier before we jumped on the potty, but um, using that kind of urgency to achieve a goal as the coping mechanism or like mm-hmm. distraction for all of the anxiety or depression or, you know, just general stress that's going on in your life. Um, like, let's talk on that because I think mm-hmm. that is quite often such a big part of exercise as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's such an interesting conversation with like having exercise as any form of coping mechanism. I mean, in the way I see it is like in order to keep going each day and, and keep showing up when you have anxiety, if you have depression, any mental illness that you're kind of suffering from, in order to be able to make it through each day, we need to some extent, some form of coping mechanism. 
The problem is, is when the coping mechanisms start to take over your entire day because you're distracting, you're numbing, you're running away from whatever's going on in your brain. And so when we start to like, that's another conversation in itself. But when we do start to fall onto coping mechanisms, what can happen is you become addicted to it because it's so often just either numbing, distracting, or running away from whatever's going on, right? So coping mechanisms can be like alcohol, it can be drugs, it can be exercise, it can be food. There's so many different like coping mechanisms and we and we kind of shame certain ones like if you're turning to alcohol and to drugs and all of that kind of stuff we shame those as a society but then if you're turning to exercise it's like oh you're really doing something for you like that's amazing and exercise do not get me wrong is amazing i try to exercise multiple times a week and and that's not it's not the problem it's the intention behind what you're doing yeah. with with anything. So when we start to change our intention behind exercise from being like, it makes me feel good. It gives me energy. It helps me be able to pick up my kids and to run after them. Um, or it helps me kind of test my, test my abilities and give me a real challenge. When the intention starts to move from those kind of ones, the more positive ones, to I need to escape or it's the only way that I can feel good about myself, that's where it becomes something that we can't keep relying on. And I think it, it kind of shows up when your only coping mechanism seems to be some sort of exercise or some sort of fitness in general, which is what kind of I started to realize was happening in my life where I realized that I actually don't know how to deal with this stuff and have other coping mechanisms that can help me through that are maybe a little bit more positive for my body. Because when we are exercising so, so often, Exercise is a form of stress that we're putting on our body. So if we're using that to cope, that's all good. But if that's our only coping mechanism and that's what we're falling to two, three times a day, then that in itself is actually not helping your body. So we need to be able to create this balance between, yes, you can exercise as a real release, but also can you sit and journal or can you sit and draw for a little while and, and take that stress off your body and actually start to think about what is going on internally? Because if you're not, if you're doing those distracting kind of ones and not focusing on a bit of a balance where you're talking about it, maybe your coping mechanism is talking to a friend about it, whether it's journaling, whether it's sitting with your feelings, they're all really positive ones that actually get you facing your whatever's going on your mental illness whatever's happening there so that's kind of my little take on it I'm not sure what you kind of think of that yeah no absolutely I completely agree with the fact that when it becomes your only coping mechanism that's when it's like red flag red flag red flag because Mm -hmm. especially with exercise like it is this like I guess nuanced situation right in Anything mm. you read about mental health, like it'll say, go on a walk. It's really good to get outside, get that blood pumping. Yeah. It's really good to sweat. It's really good to like, you know, grow and become really confident in the gym. And it's a really good release and it mm. gives you so many endorphins and community. And, you know, we all know the amazing benefits of exercise, which is why it's so promoted. And mm. I think it is really important to remember that it is – really good but then it like can swing the other way when it becomes yeah. um your I remember like in back in my ED I'd spend at least five hours exercising a day and so mm. it literally was sleeping so that I wasn't even conscious to deal with my mental health illnesses or mm. training so I was so numb so distracted from my mental health illnesses that it wasn't even like I didn't even have any of those other coping mechanisms yeah. like journaling or reading or spending time with my friends that would actually ground me and make me feel present and make me feel alive because mm-hmm. 
it's so easy to get caught up in this exercise routine of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. So you need to start again or you need to do another exercise or another, you know, workout, something like that, because those those endorphins and those periods of time when you are exercising become so addictive because it's your only moment of peace from everything that's going on. And um, I think if anyone who's listening right now is kind of connecting with this idea that exercise is your only moment of peace Mm -hmm. in the day, in the week, whatever it is, even if everyone in your life is celebrating your PBs or, you know, how fast you can run your 5K or, you know, whatever it is, they're celebrating you having a health and fitness goal, quote-unquote health and fitness goal, you got to remember the health in that part because exercising doesn't mean health if you're damaging your body, if you're mm-hmm. numbing yourself from your mental health illnesses, if you're not able to enjoy time with your friends, if mm-hmm. you're not able to enjoy your job as a fitness professional. Yeah. Um, that's a big part too, especially as mm-hmm. F5 coaches, like – if, if exercise is taking from your life, I think it's really important to, yeah, just like check in um, yeah. because if someone came to, like I ha- see members at my gym and I can tell um, that it's just it would be really beneficial for them to use other coping mechanisms as an addition. Mm-hmm. Other than, like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to stop exercise or stop as many sessions as you're doing in a week, because I know that can be really scary. Um, yeah. Especially, I don't know what your experience was when you started dropping off um, mm-hmm. your exercise after quitting your F45 job. But for me, when I had to stop exercise during my ED, that was the hardest part because it's like yeah. someone took away my coping mechanism and mm-hmm. just left me in the deep end with no floaties. <laughs> yeah. 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 No how to swim. I was drowning. Mm-hmm. And um, like I remember being in the shower at hospital and literally stretching because I I just wanted movement and like the yeah. nurses were yelling at me. They were like, stop it. They were like, hold me. I'm like, I'm naked. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny but it's not it funny we just are laughing because it's the only way <laughs> yeah it is. Um, but like when that you're so addicted to it it's like taking mm-hmm. someone off their drugs um yeah and I always use this analogy as well especially for people who are addicted to exercise or do have an eating disorder um unlike someone who is addicted to I guess the um I don't know negative uh what is the word they're not really looked on very positively negatively yeah it's like if you turn to alcohol and drugs people are not yeah. fond of you yeah yeah i <laughs> like, know exactly what you it's mean like, yeah. um looked down upon if you yeah. have some with those ones but mm. like if someone was to go to rehab for those they just take away the alcohol they take away the drugs but mm. unlike drugs and alcohol, if you have an addiction to exercise, it's still going to be ne- necessarily, it's still going to be part of your daily life when you are rehabilitated. Yeah. Because our bodies are made for movement and it's really yeah. good for us and it's really hard to reintroduce that back after having a really poor relationship with it. Mm. Like, that balance. Like I even really struggle with that to this day. Um, finding the balance between exercise as a form of addiction and coping and then Mm -hmm. exercise as a form of positive influence on my life. I feel like I just ran for a long time. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I I have conversations with, um, I think I've had conversations with you about it. I have conversations constantly with my partner about it that I actually have a fear of exercise to some extent now because I'm really scared of falling back into that pattern and um oh my it's it's such a weird feeling because it's like you know that you need exercise but it's almost as if you don't want to 
kind of commit to it, it's it's hard because you see, you know, you see people on Instagram or or whatever and they're health professionals and they're saying, you know, you need to exercise. Like it is, it's one of those things that like our bodies actually need and are actually good for us. They are a hundred percent good for us. But it's like, how then do you know if you're taking it too too far or you're doing it for the wrong reasons? And this is something that I wanted to bring up after hearing you kind of speak about that. That's what's so interesting about this conversation is that hindsight is like, it's crazy. It's so powerful in this because when you're exercising, there's so much around it's a really positive thing. You get so much feedback, so much positive feedback, but you don't realize that your intention has changed until you do. And that's usually after it's all gone down and it's gone down a really horrible path. And what I mean by that is like when I was training, you know, up to seven days a week, maybe multiple times a day, I was convincing myself that it was for the right reasons. It was because I needed to move my body. It was because I had been sitting at my desk all day. And when I say that, I mean probably like two to three hours, which is like nothing. Um, Like it's, and you don't realize it. You're like, no, I I only eat this certain type of food because um, otherwise I get bloated or I only eat this because- intolerance yeah. for yourself. Oh my it's goodness. It's so real. And you fully convince yourself yeah. like, no, I am doing this from a really good place, yeah. especially if that's how it started. Because for most of us, we fall in love with exercise, especially if you're a pr- fitness professional, like you love it for a reason. You wanted to make it your job for a reason. Yeah. You fall in love with it because of the impact it can have, a really positive impact. Yeah. And so when that starts to change, you don't necessarily pick up on it because you don't want to see it. And it just opens up this whole nother conversation of like, how do we know when it's gone from that to that? And it's really hard to pick up, which is what leads us to then living this lifelong journey of trying to navigate it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of at the point where we're at, where it's like you've experienced all this stuff. You don't want to go back there. You have all the tools necessary. Like we've done all of the study, all of the professional time in the industry, but it's like you you never really know until you know. So it's it's a lifelong journey. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on that, when you're in that spot, like where it starts to have, where it starts to go from really good intentions with exercise and loving it, kind of that honeymoon phase into mm-hmm. a really blindsided turn that just inches you down and down and down. Like yeah. no one sets out to have a bad relationship with exercise. No, not no, at all. no one wishes that on themselves, on anyone else, but it's just inch by inch and you just kind of keep finding the evidence in your life, in your brain as to why, oh, no, I'm doing it for a good reason. Like Mm -hmm. for myself, I really wanted to be able to run a 10Ks in under 50 minutes and Mm -hmm. I got really good at that and I was able to run it in like 45 minutes even. Like I got down really low and I always thought of that as a really good sign of my fitness and with my pull-ups as well. Like I used to be able to do 10 pull-ups really easily and Mm -hmm. um that's not necessarily because I was strong. It's just because I didn't have anything to pull up because I like nothing. And Mm -hmm. I was actually talking to my partner about this yesterday because I still find that running and doing pull-ups really triggering for me because Mm -hmm. I'm on my third pull-up and I know I can't do any more. And I think, gosh, if I was just like 20 kilos lighter, then I'd be able to do more. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't know if anyone else has been in that, like, Mm -hmm. where you have that comparison when you come out of recovery or you're starting to heal that relationship, those triggers and those memories are still there because, you know, it's just part of your life's Mm -hmm. history, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But turning back to that intention of, you know, what was actually happening at that time and, 
I guess now I have a more healed but more healed relationship with exercise and I gained like part of my life back so it's not necessarily about the goals I have with fitness anymore it's more about the goals I have with my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think that's like a big signal of you know you've actually progressed in that relationship movement when it no longer becomes day in day out trying to find a way to progress in your health and fitness or just fitness but mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Such an interesting take on it. It's so good that you brought that up because it's so, it can be so confusing where that line is to be drawn, especially something that I find is um, recently I've been trying to kind of get more of a routine back because I honestly haven't had a solid, consistent routine with moving my body in a really long time. And I keep thinking, okay, well, think about what like your body can do instead of focusing on um, exercising for your body. Mm. But that's something that really triggers me also because I used to use that as my main form of excuse when I was training and overtraining. I was like, well, look what my body can do. And so when people say, you know, don't, don't think about your body. Just think about what you can do like that in itself. When you are having these thoughts and, and if you have an eating disorder and all of that kind of thing in a really, really unhealthy kind of approach to exercise, all of that can be made really unhealthy. And although it's kind of how society goes, you know, we're not exercising for our body, like this whole body positivity movement was really great for that Mm. but it's like even (laughs) you can even take those kind of more positive comments and use them to fuel a really really negative thing and it's really overwhelming and I honestly just encourage anyone that is kind of feeling like this to just get support in in whatever area that you need it, like yep. whether it's with friends, whether it's with a professional, it's so confusing and you do, you just have to come back to your actual why in terms of like your life mission instead of kind of constantly looking at individual little goals, especially with the gym. So, yeah, it's so crazy. It's so crazy how even the quote-unquote more positive side of the health and fitness displayed on social media, even just in our culture in general, um, can be become so insidious when you yeah. have a really awful relationship with exercise. And I love to, I'd love to pivot this now, and I guess like ask you how you have started to reintroduce exercise in a way that I don't know, like, is more healthy. And mm-hmm. actually supports your life and your mental health now because I think you have come such a long way. And mm-hmm. like I even look to you and your stories and like everything that you portray on your social media and just in person as well as really encouraging. Um, so yeah, I guess just what does it look like for you now? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, firstly, it like I just don't want to say like what my current routine is just because it's not as simple as as just kind of adding it back in and everything being like okay it's such a huge question um yeah we wish we Um, wish but our brains don't work like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) we honestly you have to completely change your programming for why you think a certain way to be able to kind of reintroduce it and to make it stick for the right reasons. And so a huge part of what I did for myself and what I work with my clients on is taking the focus away from fitness in general, but asking you what your values are. And when I did this work on myself, it was really centered around I wanted to find balance both in exercise, but also just in life. And so whenever I would kind of 
be questioning myself or if I would be shaming myself for not waking up and going to the gym because I slept in or whatever, I would go, okay, well, my main life value is for balance. And so that slips into balance. And so I was like, okay, cool. That And as a like a high achiever that just loves black and white kind of things, I was like, okay, cool. I can take that off my list of reasons why I'm going to be mean to myself today, mm-hmm. which is horrible. But that's kind of how it was at the start. Yeah. yeah. And so that is kind of what I would lean into. And so more and more I got better at having more rest days. And then I would start to move my body a little bit because obviously that was contributing to balance as well. We need we need both sides. And so that's really where it kind of started. Now it looks like a lot more consistency, but it's from a place of not kind of not worrying too much about certain goals in any area. And I might eventually get to a place where I can incorporate goals that like feel good and they're there for the right reasons and all of that kind of thing. But at the moment, it's just consistency purely for the fact that my day is just better when I start doing something for me. For one, I show up for myself. Two, I get to see lots of people first thing in the morning. And as someone who works from home, I need that. And three, you just get that little endorphin rush. But in saying that, I also know if you said to me tomorrow, Georgia, you can't go to the gym tomorrow, I would go, okay, cool. I can find something else that's going to give me that same feeling and I'll still have a great day. I'm not reliant on just gym to give me that that productive, that really energetic kind of day. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Um, What balance. That is just such growth. Mm. Round of applause for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, I just had like a quote pop into my head that I brought up with one of our friends, Ash, from Cowork, actually. Mm -hmm. I thought it really related to her. And if she's listening to this episode, we love you. Um, But (laughs) I saw this quote and it was like after a period of survival mode of stressful Mm -hmm. times, quite often the body requires periods of rest after that. Even if you're no longer in threat, if you're no longer in that survival environment, Mm -hmm. your body and your mind and your mental health might need rest period. And Mm -hmm. I loved how you said you got better at rest days because I think that's so it's such a hard topic and a hard habit to start introducing when you are so reliant on it. Rest days were really hard for me, but I sometimes found when I was in my first part of recovery that exercise was also really draining on me when I realized that something was wrong because my body realized, oh, okay, I actually really need a lot of rest right now. And as much as my brain was like saying, this is a habit, this is something you need to do, this is our only way of coping, everything falls to the ground when you don't Mm. exercise, my body really required the rest. And I think bringing it back to those core values, I did much the same kind of work like you did um, was really important for me. Unfortunately, when I first started doing those core values, I had health and fitness at the top. Mm. And it wasn't until I realized that was actually the unhealthy relationship influencing that hierarchy of core values Mm -hmm. that I realized peace was actually my top value. And um, connection was the second one. And I think it was really important to reality check with myself and get real and actually, um, you know, own up to my own shit is the core value, is the way you're going about your life being determined by your disorder and Mm. your unhealthy coping mechanism or is it actually your true underlying feeling? Because I think that can be a really good motivator for um, giving yourself rest and for, you know, trying to come back to that safe environment, not only like in general, but also in your mind. Mm, yeah. 
my God, this conversation is so, like there's just so many aspects to it. Like right. it's just blowing my mind just sitting here. I'm like, wow. Um, get on into it too. We were like, okay, let's go. <laughs> honestly, literally, <laughs> let's yeah. just unravel it all. Um, yeah. Yes, I love, I love what you said about after being in survival mode, you need to go through those periods of rest because that is so true. And I think um, one, like how we were saying, when you kind of, you, you don't necessarily just stop exercising one day. Like you have this weird in-between period where you're like, I know I need to kind of stop, but like I am, it's such a habit and you'll continue to tell yourself like, oh, it's just a habit. That's why I'm doing it. But anyway, another story. But when, for me, what happened was like, I was being told by health professionals, you need to stop high intensity training. And I was like, okay, cool. And it took me like two months to actually get to that point. I, I fixed a lot of other things, but she was like, Georgia, like it, nothing's going to change unless you, you make this kind of thing because my body was so stressed. Right. So once I was kind of through that phase of like, slowly dropping down sessions and I got to the point where I was basically my main form of exercise was walking. I started bringing up the question with myself, how do you feel? How do you actually feel after you do a session? And whether that was high intensity, because that's what I loved at the time or like a run or whatever. I started asking myself the question, how do you feel after your session? And what would literally happen was like, I would do one of these sessions and I could literally, like, I would explain it to my friends. Like, I'm like, I can literally feel my nervous system is shocked. Like, I don't know what is happening, but like my whole body, my feet would be freezing. Like my hands would be so shaky or I could like, it was like, I could feel my insides like stressed. And I was like, that's not that's not fun. And like, it was the biggest realization that I had had that was like, so you're putting yourself through this session and then you're doing it the next day and then you're doing it the next day and you're doing it the next day. And that's how your body is feeling every single day. And that's when I started to realize once I had kind of swung the pendulum all the way the other way where I was doing pretty much no movement, I was like, holy shit, that actually is really, really bad. And that turned me off that style of training in general because I was like, that is not a nice feeling whatsoever. And so it kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of shocks you to the point where you're like, okay, well, I actually don't like it for me anymore. And and that's what kind of really turned me off. But you need to have that period of like complete rest to be able to see what it is doing to your body. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've even found when I initially got out of hospital, obviously no movement there. I was not even allowed mm-hmm. to really leave my bed. Um, yeah. And even though my body really needed rest, my mind was still like, like yeah. I remember like going in my car and like going on secret runs. Like I mm-hmm. literally drive from my house being like, I'm just going to the grocery store and I'd go and I'd run because that mind still hadn't clicked yet. And mm-hmm. I had realized how harmful exercise actually was for me at that point and for myself at least that journey looked a little bit different and I just like went through periods of kind of just exercising like three times a day still like in recovery and then realizing oh shit like that's not good and then like having binges and then like it just would go up and down like that. And it's only been in the past, I want to say six months that I've actually had that realization. And, you know, like I went to hospital in 2022, 2021, 2021. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's been like a fair while, um, yeah. years almost. And that rest period kind of was only just hit me. So yeah. it's really interesting how, like, even though your body might be saying no, your mind might just take a little bit longer within. Um, And that's a really weird grey area, um, that in stages. I remember, like, now I definitely have the same opinion as you, high-intensity training 
um, especially like F45 where it's like high impact as well, mm-hmm. especially because they did them so early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like I had the same crew come in day in, day out for our 4.45 a.m. class. Yeah. Just thinking, oh, my God, if I'm doing that at 50, like no way. Yeah, it's it's so it's so strange because as much as you can try and, you know, do all of the inner work and all of that kind of thing, especially when you're hyper-focused on exercise, which is what happens when you're, when you're in that state of like it being unhealthy, but also when you're trying to recover, it's, you're so focused on it. You're so focused on everything about it. Mm. And so you're so easily influenced by all of the, the, comments all of the things kind of around you which really which really affect you in in multiple different ways one it makes your recovery so confusing because you're like this girl's telling me to exercise every day um and try this gym and like everyone else is being like you need to start resting like there's so many different things but also when you're working in a fitness environment it's like a whole nother not a whole nother world because you're constantly around people that could very likely have um, the same sort of issues and, and be completely unaware that they have those issues. And I absolutely was one of them when I used to go to the gym just as a regular member. Um, so it makes it so hard when you're then trying to recover through it because you're constantly in environments that aren't necessarily supportive. And like I had comments on how my body was changing when I started gaining weight. Um, I very much needed to gain weight. I was so lean to the point where I didn't have a period. Um, I was waking up sick every day, all of those kinds of things. And even when I did start to gain weight and it was a really, really good thing for me, I would still have comments or I would still have people saying, you know, you're not, you're not as um, fast as you used to be, or you're not as, you're not doing as many sessions as you used to be like, what's going on? Um, You were killing it. And like, that is just the opposite of what you need. Obviously it's, it's most of the people that were saying it, it's not coming from a, a, a bad place whatsoever, yeah. but it's the effect that it has on you when you're in that really, really vulnerable, like hyper aware state, especially when you start gaining weight. Cause every little thing you're like, Oh my God, like this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. It's actually the best thing ever, but yeah. It's so true. And I went through a very similar situation in my F45 job. Um, and even now just still working as a coach like my uniform fits different now and Mm -hmm. my training has switched up so where I'm holding my weight and where my muscle is distributed is like a little bit different and like I feel really uncomfortable with that and to show up every day and to you know promote exercise still and to I guess be this ideal because everyone looks up to your coach and that's like fair enough because they're supposed to be professional in the space yet they're your mentor, they're your hype person, they're Mm -hmm. there to show you exactly what to do, right? And I think it's really important as coaches but also as people who go to gyms and who look up to people um, in the health and fitness space that we're all individuals and we're all going on this own journey and Mm -hmm. um, it's really important to surround yourself with like-minded people like with Georgia um who like who get it and who are kind mm. of the same journey as you um and who you know you can turn to when yeah someone's made a comment or someone's given you a funny look or you did a session and it felt awful because things have changed now and um yeah, just having that like support person who you can turn mm. to is so important rather than like what I used to do, I'd get home from gym mm-hmm. and then I'd start scrolling on social media and not the good side, the side mm-hmm. that was really toxic and it would, you know, I'd just spiral, right, because 
rather than turning to someone like a good friend or a therapist or a mentor, you turn to people who might not even be educated, who are promoting things that are actually really harmful for not only your physical, but your mental health. And yeah, yeah, just like not having that, I think support is like a big thing when when Mm. this topic. Um, Yeah. Because it can feel quite lonely in this. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, like my, my experience with it was I never, I never really had anyone to talk to. I maybe had like one friend that was at the gym, but she wasn't too phased. Like she was never kind of too into it. She was basically just there for a chat, which I love her for. Um, But she was kind of my only person that I would talk to and be completely honest with her about it. But when you're a fitness professional, it's so hard because you're like, okay, well, my whole job is to be in this sort of space, right? And it's very, very hard to then go, okay, well, where can I work that isn't going to be like that? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is like, you might not necessarily find that place. There might always be people there that are you know, kind of living this certain narrative that you're trying to get away from. And so that would be my biggest advice. If you can't, like if you're set on being in this industry, amazing. Like we need, we need you in that industry, but you need to have a support network away from it that has completely different beliefs and values that even if you, you know, like you can obviously go to them and you can talk to them if you're having like a really bad kind of day with all of this kind of thing or someone's made a comment, but also that can one, they can see it in you if you're starting to become, you know, go a little bit the other way, the way that you're trying to avoid. Um, and they can bring you back down to earth. But also a huge thing that I found was like, when I found friends that that wasn't even our first conversation, like it wasn't about what we ate on the weekend. It was never about how many sessions we did. The conversation was so far away from that, that I never feel like I, I like I'm unworthy because of anything that happened like in relation to fitness and and food and all of that kind of thing, because that's how it should be. Like that should not be our main point of conversation. And when you have a bunch of friends that are at the gym or a bunch of clients that you really love and all of that kind of thing, that can very easily become your main conversation. I 100% know firsthand. In common. Yeah, literally. That's literally the only thing you have to talk about. Um, And it's fair enough because when you are going through that kind of really unhealthy stage, you often don't have any other brain capacity to do really, really cool things. Yeah. And that sounds so, so harsh, but it's so true. You waste so many, t- like so many hours counting calories in your head at the gym, like you're saying, like spending multiple hours a day there. That time could be spent building a business, volunteering, like working a really solar line job, like all of those amazing things that are waiting for you when you're not hyper-focused and like, yeah, needing to revolve your whole life around it. The biggest thing that came up for me when you said that was identity. Mm. And I think we'll probably just round it out on this note even. Mm. Like I think the biggest thing when it comes to your relationship with exercise, whether you're a health or fitness professional or you are just a frequent gym goer, or, you know, some other form of exercise, if movement and how well you moved or how much you moved is your only topic of conversation with your friends, is the only thing you identify with, is the only thing that occupies your mind, is the only thing that occupies your days, you have become, you know, it's a red flag that you have become so caught up in exercise being your identity that you're missing out on the fact that you're a person and you're worthy of existing in a really beautiful way and a peaceful way that doesn't you know cor- necessarily correlate with exercise 
Mm. Um, you're a person before anything you achieve in the gym or your workplace or mm. how your body looks, um, how it performs even. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's such an important thing to remember that there is a whole other side of you that has so many other colours and beautiful aspects and attributes too. Um, and if calories and how many hours you spend in the gym is the only thing occupying your mind apart from anxiety, depression and stress, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. like I think you're missing out on the beautiful experience of existing as you. Yeah, yeah. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. It's so funny because I literally had to be told that last night by my boyfriend. Like it's such a, it's like a lifelong journey Mm -hmm. to remember that. But if you need, like, if you're at a point where you're just like, I just don't know how I can start to change that focus, delete social media, honestly do it. Like that would be the first place I would start. I I had to do it during my recovery. I literally have been thinking about doing it again this week mm-hmm. just because people are obsessed and and it is slowly changing, but people are obsessed with the latest it girl and the current trends and all of that kind of thing and as much as you think that it won't play on your mind, it will start to, especially if you're already a little bit focused on it. Your brain will just kind of automatically drag you to it because it wants to put you down. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to keep you kind of um, protected. Yeah. It just wants to keep you like the same as everyone else basically because that's how it thinks it'll be the safest. But that's not true. There is a complete life outside of praising someone and putting someone up on a pedestal. It sounds so stupid, but it's literally what happens mm-hmm. um, just because of how they look and like a certain trend that they're kind of living into at that time. So yeah. get rid of it and start to figure out, turn around your mirrors if you need to, start to figure out the person that you are without all of that, without the fitness, without the six pack, without being able to do 10 pull-ups, whatever it is find who you are and what you're capable of without without all of that like you don't you don't need it it's supposed to be an asset to your life not something that's completely taking over yes 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 yes, yes. <laughs> that last bit because that's what got me through though because mm. it was consuming my life it's no that's not what's meant to happen it's meant to just add yeah this little bit of endorphins to your life yeah uh, yeah. Oh, what a good chat. What so a good. good chat. Thank you so Honestly. much for joining me. Is there any is final good. words? Honestly, I don't think so. I just think like you need to create your own definition of health and you need to find, set up your environment to make sure that you continue being able to lean into that definition because it won't always be easy Um, and there will be ups and downs like we've both just kind of went back and forth with the good parts but also the really really hard parts of our journey and they'll still pop up like I said like I had to get talked down from my boyfriend last night because I was picking myself to pieces and after everything I know it it still it still will come up it's just what happens but keep leaning back into that and set yourself up as much as you can to create that definition like in in your reality instead of that past definition of you. But, yeah, that's I all that. I'd say. I love that. I, <laughs> I love could talk that. forever on it, but it's fine. Right? <laughs> Should we just make this like a week-long podcast? Yeah, I think <laughs> we might need to. There's so much oh to unpack. We're definitely going to need to have you back on the pod. I feel like we mm. need a part two. Absolutely. I love that. But mm-hmm. until then, thank you so much for coming on. I have honestly enjoyed the past hour and a bit. Uh, this is such a highlight. It's exactly what I needed. I'm sure it's exactly what the listener needed. And I just am mm-hmm. so grateful for your vulnerability and your love. And oh, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's really 
fun being able to talk about such heavy topics, but from a place where it's like it actually makes us feel better afterwards because there was definitely a time where we couldn't have had this conversation. So it feels really nice. Thank you so much. And where can my listeners find you? Mm -hmm. So the main place that I hang out is Instagram. So at by Georgia Marie, Um, you can find all of the things that I kind of do over there, but I have a podcast, which is grow till you glow. Jess has been a guest, which was absolutely amazing. Um, So yeah, I have chats very, very similar to the one that we've had today over on there. Um, I have a website in my bio that will link you to all of my offers in the mindset coaching space. Um, So if you do need support in this area, I'm absolutely open to have a chat to see if it's the right fit for you. Um, But yeah, that's the main place you can find me. Just head to my Instagram and send me a DM if you listen to this chat, because I'd love to hear from you. They, I'm sure they loved it. I'm sure I've loved it. I'm going to be listening to this over and over again. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Bye. That's okay. Bye guys.